listening to City Church Long Beach Sermons Podcast. You can visit us at citychurchlongbeach.org. Hey, good morning. Welcome, friends. We're so glad you're here at City Church of Long Beach. Thank you so much, Craig and Sarah, for starting us off that way. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Brenna Rubio, and I'm one of the co-pastors here at City Church of Long Beach. I want to say a welcome, too, to our friends who are with us on Zoom, online, you are so welcome here this morning as we gather together in these different ways to be a radically welcoming community on the journey towards Jesus, joining him in the renewal of all things. Go ahead and be seated and be comfortable if you're here in person. Uh, it is so good to be here together and a uh, few things because this is only our second Sunday being back at Lafayette Elementary School. Uh, so a little housekeeping for those who are here in person and maybe it's even your first time. There are three bathrooms available. There's one right through this uh, door leading into the auditorium. You take like a hard left, uh, and there's a staff bathroom up the stairs. There are also two bathrooms in this corner over here, and there's some instructions on the door uh, because there's kind of a trick about locking and unlocking them, but you guys are all really smart people, and I know you can figure it out. So we have some instructions on the door to help you out with that. I know it was a little confusing this week. We've got like visual cues now. So no worries about that. Um, yeah, it is just, it's good to be here in this space. We have started a new series where we are exploring the question, what is church? And we know that there is no one right way to do church. We know that there might be some not so good ways to do church, some things that can be harmful. Uh, and, and as we talked about last week, sadly, some of us have experienced those things. But instead, what we're doing in this series is we're focusing on well, what are some of the good things that church can and should be about? What are the positive things that we can be aiming for as a community? What are some of the, the rhythms of grace that God might be inviting us into? And so this morning, uh, we're going to be focusing on another one of those. And a phrase that comes to mind for me as we think about those, it's, it's going to be about paying attention. So a young friend of ours here this morning named Florence has agreed to come up and play a little game with me. Would you guys welcome Florence? Florence, you're going to come right up here. You are so brave to do this, and I really appreciate it. I push this down here. Yes. Mom being here is a great, great idea. Okay. So, Florence, here's what we're going to do right now. We're going to give you a little test of your observational skills. Remember, I told you this might be a little challenging. Like, if I had any of the adults come up here, they would think this is hard too. Okay, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to shut your eyes and I'm gonna ask you a couple of questions. So first, just tell me a little bit about, keeping your eyes shut, about the space you're in. What things do you notice about it? Let's see, like what color is the door? This is really hard, isn't it? Yeah. Hmm, let's see. What color are the steps? Yellow and gray. Woohoo! <laughs> what color is the music stand? Yeah. 
I know, it's hard. Okay, so now we're gonna do something else. You're gonna open up your eyes and look around again. And now you kind of know the trick, right? You know the kinds of questions I'm gonna ask. So we're gonna give you 30 seconds and you're gonna look. Really look at some colors. Tell me when you think you're ready. You're ready? Lawrence, you're amazing at this. Okay, so check your eyes again. Lawrence, what color is the music stand? <laughs> okay, tell me a color that you noticed when you were looking around. Oh, you noticed you noticed a, a brown color. What other colors did you notice? Gray. Any other ones? Yellow. Orange, you're awesome. You can open I was asking you things you didn't even know. I'm so sorry about that. Lord, you're amazing. Thank you so much for helping me. It's hard to pay attention, isn't it? Like, if, especially if we don't, we don't know what kind of to lock our attention on. Like this space, this huge, confusing space that Florence is in. There are so many colors. There are so many shapes. So many things going on in this space. How do we figure out what matters? How do we figure out how to lock in? What's important? Uh, this morning, we're gonna be exploring some of these things and we're gonna be exploring it uh, based on a particular passage. Uh, and so our friend, Andrew Lee, is going to read for us this morning. Uh, Thank you, welcome Andrew. We love to stand uh, in honor of God and God's word at home. You're welcome to stay seated if you'd like to, it might feel a little awkward. Second Timothy 2, 1 through 2. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. People of God, this is the word of God. Thank you, God. Uh, thank you so much for reading, Andrew. Well, this morning, we are so grateful to be hearing from an old friend of City Church. Uh, Cody Miller has been part of City Church since its very beginning. Uh, and he is not only an incredible leadership coach, that's what he does for a living, uh, but I just also think of him as just a learner, somebody who loves to learn and who loves other people really well. So we are so grateful to hear from him this morning about paying attention. Yeah, All right. Hello. Oh, there's a sign. One second. Hi, Zoom people. I'm I'm gonna be hoping for that all day, okay? There's some love in the back. Can you guys hear me all right? Yeah. Great. On Zoom, we're good. Yeah, great, wonderful. I'm gonna do my best to hybrid, so if I forget about you, forgive me, um, but I'm thinking about you now, so hopefully that means something on Zoom. Um, I'm gonna be on this whiteboard. If at any point you can't see it, would you just be bold enough and say, hey, show me what you're doing over there, all right? Because I don't want you to be confused and lost. We're gonna, we're gonna jump in and talk a little bit about what I think Paul has done with Timothy over the years and why that, you know, pattern 2,000 years ago would still matter today. Um, so a, a little history, I, I'm not sure what was 
deeply got into last week as far as Paul and Timothy's relationship, but they were pretty close. And um, some would say almost familial in relationship. He does call him son here. And Timothy was his right-hand guy for a while, and he sent them off. That I've given you everything I got, go and give it to other people. So that's what we're going to talk about today, is how in the church there is this practice of giving and giving more, of investing and reinvesting in others, and how we can continue that up today. But first of all, I did bring some pen. Here they are. Um, I want to I want to talk about the temptation of information. You all see this? Ish behind the speaker. All right, great. The temptation of information. So there's different reports on how many messages we receive a day and decisions we have to make. It's a lot. We're talking thousands of things just thrown our way all day long, and we get really good at filtering out the BS, if you know what I mean. Um, but we are in an age of information and data where we are getting info thrown at us all day, and it leaves us wondering what in the world we should do. Anybody feel that way? I was on Instagram. I went through like 15 stories this morning. I was like, man, those people are doing some great things. What should I be doing with my time? Maybe prepping a sermon. That'd be helpful, Cody. <laughs> uh, so we got the information thrown at us all day long. And, and frankly, our bucket for containing that is limited. Our, our attention span and all the decisions and pressure of the day, they kind of force us to whittle down. And if you're anything like me, you can kind of get stuck. Because there's so much noise and confusion all day long, you just get stuck and paralyzed and, and you don't know what to do with all that. And so, like any good person who drives from time to time, you go throw a podcast on. Hopefully that, that's going to help. And then you get more information about some other brilliant idea. And then you sit there and your friend recommends the 15th book. I love you all. I do not need a book recommendation this week. Okay? Because I just can't get through it all. There's so much out there. And we are in this age of information. And what everyone assumes we can do from information is to move it into some innovative life. Innovative. No, that's not a And we're supposed to, to take it and innovate it, integrate it into our life. Go read that book. You got that issue. Go read that book. Oh, listen to this podcast. That'll we'll do it. You should go talk to someone's self. Know that and that's great. We need information all the time. It's actually really helpful. There's a study that the doctors who gather the most feedback and information in the first five minutes of interacting with a patient in the ER are like 60 to 70 percent more likely to make the right decision on how to treat that patient. We have to gather information sometimes really quick, but we have to know what to do with it also. Otherwise, it's just learning for learning's sake. And it's data overload. And what we oftentimes miss in this life of busyness, the pace we try to keep up, the information we try to consume, is the path that is a bit unorthodox. It gets us off the stream of efficiency. And that is through imitation. Who knows what to do with this information? Oh, you read that book. Tell me how it matters in your life. Oh, you, you went through that issue with your employer. How did you handle that? Can you help and guide me? Oh, you're in that rough spot in your relationship, and you guys worked that out. 
howl. I, I need to know how to actually practice all the things that I'm getting as resources in my life. And frankly, for years, the church has been a place of imitation. Paul, in a, in a different part of one of his letters, says, hey, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Remember the first time I read that, I was like, Paul is so full of himself. And he kind of is. You can say that about Paul. But there was this invitation to learn my ways as I have learned them from the master. Now, if you grew up in the trades, anyone here work a construction job at some point? That's my background, Dave. Dave, you do like some shop stuff, welding, things like that. Is that right? Do it all. Do it all. <laughs> and you just read a book and then figured out how to do that stuff. Is that right? No. Okay. I'm just going out of my I did not prep for this one. <laughs> did you ever like watch someone do some of the things you do? And did sometimes you like go next to them and say, hey, could you show me how you're doing that thing? And then after that, you're like, hey, I'm going to try it. Would you watch me do it to make sure I don't cut my finger off? Right. Like there's this process of apprenticeship that in the trades, they still maintain. My background's in construction. I love that. And then some of our other jobs that we work, there's this process of apprenticeship. But in spirituality, sometimes that gets lost. We forget that there's a process of apprenticeship and imitation in which the church, since Jesus, has been passing on ways of flourishing in this life. That's what we want to focus on today, is what are some of the processes, some of the ways the church has passed on imitation, sorry, through imitation, ways of flourishing in this life. Um, so Paul has done this for Timothy, and this word keeps coming up. It's the first word, Mark 1, 14 through 15. Jesus says, um, the time has come. Repent and believe. This word kairos. I'm going to talk about kairos a bit today. Paul uses this three times in this letter to Timothy. He says, hey, the time is now for you to do these things. Do to others what you have heard me do for you. Pay attention to the kairos moments. If you're taking notes on your phone or you're on Zoom, Pay attention to the Kairos moments. What in the world is Kairos? That's a great word. It simply means a propitious moment or anything that grabs our attention. Anything that grabs our attention. A Paul, through the years with Timothy, has been staying, saying, just like Gabe, with whoever has taught him how to do welding or all the stuff. Yeah, the shop, said, hey, pay attention to how I do this stuff. You've been paying attention now. Do that for others who can carry it on. But it's not stagnant. It's not a one-time thing. It's this ongoing process of paying attention, learning from our lives, so we can grow and reproduce these practices of others. So we have these Kairos moments. Um, I have Kairos moments all of the time. Normally in areas where I am significantly goofing up or missing the mark. Kairos moment yesterday, my son had a, a mosquito bite, I assume, I'm not sure, um, and that was two days ago. I saw it, he was itching it, no big deal. Yesterday, he wakes up, that bite has gotten bigger, and I don't really pay attention the rest of the day, if I'm honest, we're doing our thing. Uh, my wife comes home from somewhere I can't remember, and she says, what is going on in his foot? <laughs> 
And this little itch had then grown and now there was a red kind of throbbing thing going on in his foot. And then I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is probably an amputatable infection. <laughs> I missed. So I, you know, 7.45 last night, I only heard you care. And the doctor said, no, your son has pitched this to a point where it's expanded and you need to treat it, it'll be okay. But I miss these moments. I'm not always paying attention to opportunities to learn and grow. But when I was 19 years old, a guy named Pat Dirks, he said, Cody, I've noticed that you can miss some of these things. So let me give you a process through which to gather the Kairos moments of your life and learn from them so that you can more and more step into the invitations from God to grow, mature, and who you were created to be. I said, Pat, that'd be wonderful, but heart sell, bro, like I am a long study. Good luck. He said, no worries. I want you to meet with me every week for the next couple of years. I want you to imitate me as I imitate Christ. I said, hey, Pat, that was Paul's gift. No, no, no. I'm going to, I'm going to disciple you. I'm going to mentor you. I'm going to apprentice you so that you can learn from your life. But he gave me this tool. And Brenda mentioned I'm a leadership coach. I now use this tool completely outside of the context of spirituality every day. It is my go-to. I was joking with Andrew. I, this is kind of a sermon I have in my pocket because this is the tool I, I use all the time. And it's so fundamentally helpful for anybody like me who's got a lot of information coming their way and can sometimes miss the moments. Well, the good news is we can grab some today. So Joe's thrown some up, I think, on, on Zoom Plus. I'm going to do my Joe. I hear you. We're doing it. So we got Mr. Information Overload guy here. He's got his powerhouse moments. He kind of runs into it. Moment that has grabbed his attention. Now, as we discussed, the temptation is we got a lot of other things to do. It's a Saturday, my day off from work. I don't really want to take care of the itchy mosquito bite on Milo's foot. I've got 15 other things, like the passport I forgot to renew. I need to renew that thing. So I'll ignore him for a second or five hours. Um, but we have this opportunity to learn, and what we need to do is stop pause and go through this quick process. Now the first part of the process, if you've been around six years, you've done this a couple different ways, it's all about increasing our awareness so that we can know how to act. We've also said the first part of the process is all about what's going on internally or in our being so that we can get clearer in our doing. So you have this moment, any moment, it doesn't matter, big or small, positive, negative. Usually for me, it's associated with some emotion of guilt or shame or frustration or anger. If I'm honest, that's where it comes from. Stop, pause, and let's take it through a process of learning. The first is we have to observe. We have to observe what in the world is going on. Who, what, when, where, how. When Sean and I first started dating, we were leading this um weekend long uh, trip down uh, to an inner city we would paint a school then we'd go back to our college it was like crazy every friday night before we took off we did these huge arguments and one day with pat i was like bro it's, you know just this big fight again i'm supposed to leave this thing out and i'm frustrated he goes cody what do you think's going on there I'm like well obviously shauna just needs to let stuff go right so, 
said, no, Cody, this is the third trip we've had and the third big argument we've got on the night before it happens. Do you think there might be some stress outside of your relationship that is applying into your relationship? I said, oh my gosh, I didn't even see the context of this kairos and it informed what might be going on. We have to start by gathering the context because as human beings, what we do naturally is we assign meaning and value to facts without divorcing them from the facts. We are always trying to make sense of the stories of our lives without consciously backing up and saying, hey, wait, what is happening? What time of day is happening? Who is this happening with? Is this really a me thing? Is it an us thing? Is it an all of us thing? But to ask ourselves some context questions can sometimes open up the learning that's available for us. Um, from there, we then earn the right to put on that interpretive lens. That says interpret. <clears throat> then you noticed, I didn't ask it, who, what, when, where, somebody. Why, yes, why is this happening? Why is this sticking out to me today? Why in this season does this keep coming up? Why is it every time I go over to my mom's, we get in this sort of tip? What is the strand tying it all together? And why, why are they okay with it, but I can't seem to get over it? What's the difference? But when we ask ourselves why, we realize there's a lot of different ways to interpret everything. There's actually a million interpretive options and we get stuck with our one singular one. And frankly, that's what keeps us stuck. And so as we ask the why, we discover that there are others available. And then we have the option to choose, is this the interpretation I want to take on this particular Kairos? Is it serving the development of me and the people around me long-term? Or might there be another option? If you're picking up on the underlying cues, this is where it's really helpful to start bringing some people into the process because they can start giving you some other ways to look at it. You ever had that? You go get coffee with a friend, maybe, you know, maybe pre-pandemic, you call someone up, you're ranting, frustrated, and they said, hey, have you ever thought, don't, don't. hey, it grabs my attention, oh, here it comes. And they just give you a subtle reframe, a simple way of re-engaging the problem you might be stuck with, it completely unlocks the next thing you need to do. They're asking you, are you okay with your interpretation or are you open to considering another We've got a little bit of feedback from our life so far in this process, right? We've got the context, we've got some of the underlying lines. But this is my favorite part. We need, to, we need to wrestle it down to the ground. The third step is to discover what it is we're learning through this or where it is we're growing. And if I'm honest, for all that information that's thrown at me, I've got a hard stop somewhere in here that keeps me from actually identifying these things. I, my brain is tired. <laughs> my attention is limited, and I just want to move on. But what Pat helped disciple me in, and what many other have helped me wrestle to the ground is, what's your takeaway from this? 
What is this teaching you? What is this developing in you? Where are you growing from this? Could you say that more simply? My business partner says all the time, if you could put that in one sentence, what would it be? <laughs> what are you actually gleaning? This didn't just happen for no apparent reason, but this moment, this Kairos was dropped in your lap by God to help you continue on your journey of flourishing to become who you were fully made to be. And you have a moment to discover that. But don't we leave that on the table all the time? Ah, that was a good rant, Seth. You're right, I don't like those political people. Ah, just complaining about my dad and mom once again. Great. Let's move on. Until the next time, I'm going to have to say that. Ah, you're right. She's just stubborn. I don't have to. We, we forget that the only person who actually can move the needle in our development is well, us. And we have to discover the next step. What is it that you're learning? Where is it that you're growing? We've just dramatically increased our awareness. We've just gotten in touch with the conversation that's always going on inside our heart, our mind, our soul. For me, learning that was a cataclysmic shift because I wasn't even aware that I was talking to myself. But at 19 through about, I don't know, last week, I'm still trying to figure out how to have that conversation. But we've discovered something. Doesn't that feel good? Yes. Man, breakthrough. But nothing changed. I have listened to some phenomenal, uh, I'm this up last, some phenomenal podcasts. I just love podcasts. And I like text them out to five people like, you should listen to this. Why? I don't know. <laughs> it blew my mind. <laughs> but it doesn't move the needle. That actually doesn't lead to any tangible change or transformation. And that's because we don't consider a real tactile response. We don't consider the next functional step in our journey back into life. So there's these three other steps I hope you consider. The first is to make a plan. To make a plan. What are you going to do about it? You've learned something. You've gained some knowledge. What is your next step? Has anyone ever been in a meeting or work where you've had to like make a bunch of decisions, but then you leave the meeting, you're like, did we, what? Do you know what's happening next? I have no idea. That was a great hour and a half. Right? <laughs> Resonated. I've been there too. <laughs> you got to make a plan. Every plan. If it does not have these two functionalities, I can tell you it has a really good chance of failing. The first thing, it has to be concrete, like this stuff. There's no guessing where concrete is. It's pretty obvious. It's yes or no. What is the next step? I'm going to do better next time is a very good plan for failure. What are you going to do better? And the second thing it needs to have is it's got to be calendarized, concrete and calendarized. When is this happening? When is this change in your life going to take place? This is my favorite conversation to have with my wife. She'll help me process something. She's really great at working through the school. She'll be like, I need to have that conversation. 
please don't make me commit to a date. I don't want to do it. Because I know if I say the next time I see them, I'm going to bring this up. Man, I just made a commitment. And she heard it. That is the worst. But then it actually has a chance, a real chance of making it. What Shauna provides to me, what Pat affords to me, what Paul has given to Timothy, what the church in its best functionality provides for others is not just good planning, but good partnership. We partner with one another. Now, I used to write accountability there, but for a lot of us, we need some listening after accountability because it's got a bad taste, right? But partnership is accountability and a call to greatness. It's actually saying, hey, you committed to doing this thing, taking this step from whatever you were learning. I want that for you as badly as you want that for yourself. That's good partnership. It's not letting it slide. It's saying, hey, how'd that go? Shoot, it didn't go well. Why? Oh, look at that. That's process. But we have to partner with one another because, frankly, we are not meant to live alone. And very rarely do humans grow in isolation. Just ask me, mother. So we have to find people who are going to partner with us. And then we have to have the courage to practice. Because up until this point, we've just been workshopping something. We've been on the whiteboard. We've been thinking and dreaming, hoping things could change. But nothing actually changes until we apply the courage to try something new. And friends, it's just practice. It's just practice that leads to the next Kairos. We hype everything up like it's the finality of the decision. Like I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go address that coworker on that thing that you keep doing in the email. Oh man, it didn't go well, so I probably need to quit. <laughs> or I hope they get fired. Well, no, it's just practice. I could do better at that next time. It's probably Kairos for them. Maybe they can learn from that too. But the church, in its best functionality, is helping people practice better ways of living, of flourishing on this earth, of saying, you're meant for more than that dysfunction you're bringing into this life. That's okay. Let's practice something new. <clears throat> As I learned how to do this, I started practicing this in a construction company which is probably pretty obvious as the best place to apply a strategy for learning, right? That's what you were all thinking. Remember the first time I put this up on a whiteboard with uh, one of my supervisors? I said, Cody, let me go get my pom-poms. We're gonna ride unicorns around on job sites? Yes, that is what I'm asking you to do. But we started meeting every week. I said, hey, well, I, all I need you to do is every week, I just need you to bring me from a job site a Kairos, something that grabbed your attention, and then we're going to process that together. They, they play ball. And eventually, one day, about November, can't remember what year, this guy John comes up, it's not his real name, and John says, hey, Cody, I have a Kairos, but it's not really about a job site thing. It's about an argument I always get in with my wife. Said, oh, this should be good. Said, all right, well, let's process it. You're okay. We could talk about that. He said, yeah. Well, we're going to get our Christmas bonuses. It's been a good year. And every year, I do what I always do. I, I take my Christmas bonus, and I go to Vegas, and I have a good time. 
And I come back, and if I'm honest, I'm not the most sober-minded. And um, I get an argument because I spent all the money we were going to buy the family's Christmas gifts for. I said, oh, man, that's too fast. Let me tell you exactly what you should do with that. No, that's not what I did. I actually followed the process and said, hey, what do you think is going on there? Why do you do this? He's like, man, it's been a busy year, yada, yada. He goes in this whole backstory. This is what he's always done since the age of 16 when he started in construction. But now he's got this girlfriend. They're getting married and they're going to have kids. And he's like, man, maybe I should change. Okay. Well, what do you think you should do? It's like, well, what if with half of the bonus, I still did that. But with the other half, we put it aside for Christmas gifts. I said, that's a great idea. You think maybe you should talk to her about that? He said, oh, yeah, I'll do that. When are you going to talk with her? Oh, I guess tonight. Great. A couple of weeks later, it's bonus time. I check in. Hey, John, how'd that go? I said, Cody, you wouldn't believe it. It was amazing. We didn't get in any arguments. In fact, we decided to take half of the half for the Christmas gift and go on an overnight thing, and our relationship's never been better. So that's amazing. Good for you. That same guy used this tool on a job site for a million-dollar job and saved a $300,000 contract for the sub. He said, hold on. I know you guys are arguing, but I have a process that helps me learn from these moments. And he took the developer and the general contractor and he pulled them into a room on a job site and he drew this up on a board. I cannot imagine what his version looked like. <laughs> he said, hold on, I think we can come to a resolution. And they did. Because something that was given to me, I gave to him and he gives to others. And at its best, that is what the church is meant to do. To help simplify and understand the complexity of this life and say, hey, I think I have some clarity on something. I'd love, I'd love to give it to you. I, I think it might help here. I'm not going to tell you what to do. <laughs> That's what the church is known for doing. But what if we partnered and guided people through making sense of the moments of their life so that they could take the next appropriate step to become the God who made them to be? What would that look like? So as we wrap up today, I want you to consider three questions. I was trained to give three-part sermons. I missed that, so I got three questions here. The first question is, uh, in your notes or just maybe your consciousness or yeah, have a conversation with someone at lunch after this, is what, what's the big kairos in your life? Right? What's, what's grabbing your attention? What's boiling up to the surface? And like I said, if you're like me, the, the, the question behind that is, what emotion have you felt really strongly? With? When did that help show up? Usually a kind of something to grab your attention. The second is, as Paul with Timothy, as Pat with me, who's there to help you process your kairoses? Who's actually there to help guide you from a place of, of frustration or clarity into a next step? And if I'm honest, that's usually someone who's willing to push past some of the venting space. Who's, who's willing to push and say, yeah, so what? Who does that for you? And how often are you asking them, inviting them to speak into your life that way? And then the third question to consider is, there's a reciprocity to this motion that Paul has made clear, even 
as kind of the meta narrative of this letter is go do this for other people. Timothy, he's writing a letter to Timothy because he's gone out. He's saying, remember how I taught you. So I am convinced one of the reasons I love being a part of a church is that we have a wealth of resources and experiences amongst us. No one is disqualified for passing on the blessing. We all have it. Again, if you need to be convinced of that, talk to a four-year-old and you'll get it. But who are you serving and helping process their biases? Who are you seeking out to give away the things you have learned, learned and learned through? Thank you so much. I'd like to invite Lewis up to play for us. <laughs>